This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We are. We are. We are Cultivate. 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 We are Cultivate. Hello and welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stangle. Hello. Well, hello there. How are you? I am sore. Yeah. Are you going to talk about that more in your something good? Yeah. So you got to yeah. stick around. Yeah. Suspense. Figure out why she's sore. It's from all that murdering. I wasn't thrown from a bus or anything, I promise. No, not this or time. Or fall off the back of a truck. <laughs> I'm the goods. I'm the stolen <laughs> goods. So this is week one of Spoopy Halloween. Spoopy. And I thought I would start us off with a bit of a bang. Uh-oh. So today, we are going to be discussing the West Virginia Penitentiary. Ooh. We love a good haunted criminal place. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Penitentiary. How... Well, you'll explain. Like, how old is it? <laughs> yeah. I will get there. So information <laughs> was pulled from the following sources. A 2022 West Virginia Explorer article by David Sabray. 2021 WTRF article by Stephanie Grindley. 2020 Mysterious Universe article by Jocelyn LeBlanc. Atlas Obscura. Haunted Places to Go. Legends of America. Mountaineer Media Article by Shannon Stowers, or Stowers, Ohio County Public Library, Pilot Guides, Travel Channel, West Virginia Penitentiary History, and Wikipedia. Nice. And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. All right. Got something you want to say? Shoot us an email over at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story ideas, see any gifts you send our way, or if you just want to say hello, we're pretty friendly. Speaking of friendly, if you'd like to have real-time conversations with us, consider joining our Discord over at the Cultivate Network. You can chat with us over at the Old Crimers Cubby, or catch up with any of the other great creators that are part of the Cultivate family of podcasts. Just click the link in our show notes, or over on our link tree to get started today. Alright, I want to preface this episode by saying that I don't intend to cover the entire history of the prison, which goes all the way up to 1995. Wow, it was open that long? Yes. Ooh. Yeah. That's not great. (laughs) No. Oh, no. I do intend to cover everything up to the 1900s, and we'll be discussing the paranormal activity that has been reported there. But since we don't typically cover anything post-1900. I'm going to stick to that, but I will include a bulleted list of key events of note, but I'm just not going to go into like detail about them. Okay. Just because 
We kind of need them for context. You got to keep it to the theme, you know? Yeah. It's okay. I'm staying on point. Go to the show notes if you want to learn more, idiot. Just kidding. Sorry. I didn't mean to insult you. (laughs) God, right off the bat within the first three minutes. Get out. I'm sorry. Come back. Insulting people. (laughs) West Virginia Penitentiary is located in Moundsville. You guessed it. West Virginia. And has been in operation since 1876. Ooh. It is the oldest penal institution in the state. Yeah. Sure, it was in tip-top condition by 95. Oh, yes. (laughs) I'm shaking my head now. As I mentioned, it closed its doors in 1995, at which time 653 inmates were still incarcerated there and guarded by 32 employees. That's not enough. Mm -mm. No. Over the course of its run as a state prison, 94 prisoners were executed on its premises via hangings and electrocutions. That number seems kind of low for all of the years it's been in operation, doesn't it? You'll find out that there's going to be some higher numbers later on. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Suspense. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> Today, the West Virginia Penitentiary, which is also known as the Moundsville Prison, is located right smack dab in the middle of Moundsville, near a number of residential neighborhoods. Yeah. But back when the land was initially purchased in 1866... It was located outside the city limits near the Ohio River in Marshall County. That seems counterintuitive to put it right next to a river where people could, like, float away (laughs) after they escape. Yeah. Yeah, That doesn't seem like a great... Yeah. But it was also a good way for them to bring the supplies that they needed to build the penitentiary. So... Fine. It's a double-edged sword. Bring in resources, take out bodies. <laughs> take out criminals. <laughs> that escape. The river bringeth and taketh away. Yes. When West Virginia became a new state in 1863, the 35th state of the Union, after seceding from the rest of Virginia, mm-hmm. it desperately needed public institutions, not just prisons. The governor of the time, Arthur Borman, lobbied tirelessly with the state legislature, but all of his requests were denied. Hmm. As a result, prisoners were held in existing jails or sent out of state, pretty much anywhere but Virginia, for obvious reasons. That's, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I actually, (laughs) I I don't know much about that, like why West Virginia left Virginia. The Civil War. Ah, that would do it. Yep. Yeah. That'll do it. (laughs) It is more like a top hat, so they just took the hat away. Yep. In 1864, the legislature directed Governor Borman to have all criminals convicted of felonies housed in the local jail in Wheeling, the Ohio County Jail. But when it became overcrowded in 1865, so a year later, nine inmates were able to escape. Okay. Now this checks out, because when you originally said one of your sources was Ohio... The mm-hmm. Ohio County, I was like, hmm, yep. I know they're close, but yeah, got it. This finally got the state legislature to take action after enduring pressure from the press. And in February 1866, the purchase of the land in Moundsville was approved. Nice. 
Following the close of the Civil War in April 1865, the penitentiary was a way to house and hopefully reform some of the most violent and dangerous criminals in the southern states of America. Did they have... What were they? No, they didn't have those guys. This America's first what? serial killers from the Civil War. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. I I don't think they were caught I there. I think they I were think caught. So. They were caught in like Tennessee or something. If I remember right. Yeah. I don't think they were. Yeah. But they would have been good to, re- to attempt to reform. It wouldn't have worked, but. It wouldn't have worked at all. They were too far gone <laughs> at yeah. that point. They weren't human at that point. Yeah. Where were they from? I cannot remember, but if you're curious to know what we're talking about, let me figure out what episode it was. It was the Hart Brothers, and that was episode 83. So if you want to go back and listen to that episode to have an idea of what we're talking about. They were caught, I was just trying to figure out, one of the first things was like, is the Hart Brothers real? (laughs) Question mark. (laughs) It's like the first thing on Google. I was like, yeah, they were definitely... Ten, they were Tennessee, Kentucky, Illinois, Mississippi. Yeah, because I was going to say they were kind of in that pocket, that southern pocket. Yeah. Because I remember them being in Kentucky for a while. They were so tra- not too close to West Virginia. Mm-mm. I mean, within distance, but not in West Virginia. Yeah, they were they were caught in Kentucky. Never mind. Never mind. Oh, God, they were awful. They were awful. <laughs> if you want to be scared in October, listen to that episode. Yeah. In 1866, the Board of Public Works was directed to select a site of 10 acres or more on which to construct a prison about 12 miles south of Wheeling, which at the time was the state capital. Okay. The land was purchased for $3,000, or around $56,000 today, and that summer, a temporary wooden prison was built and surrounded by a wooden stockade while the penitentiary was built. That's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Like here's your little wood, here's your little wood prison. Don't get out. Mm-hmm. Don't get out. Don't get out. You stay in there. <laughs> you gotta stay in there. No, no sharp tools. No fire. <laughs> no matches. <laughs> no matches. The building was modeled off the 1858 Northern Illinois Penitentiary in Joliet, although it would be half the size. Okay. No architectural drawings have survived, or at least if they have, they haven't been discovered. Okay. But according to an 1867 report by the board of directors, the prison was to be built on 10 acres or mm-hmm. 4 hectares of land with 7 of those acres or 2.8 hectares to be enclosed for the prison. Okay. So still like a wide enough room to grow too if they needed. Mm-hmm. They needed it. Got it. The hand-cut stone structure which is constructed in a Gothic architectural style and includes turrets and battlements, gives the entire building a military feel. Yeah, that would not, that would be very intimidating to go into as a prison as opposed to the wood, the wood shack. (laughs) Yeah, if you see pictures Uh, of this place, it is pretty intimidating looking. uh, It's like you're going into, it is ye old prison, like a medieval prison. The prison was able to make money utilizing, you guessed it, inmate labor. Uh. And the first phase of the construction was completed in 1876 with a total cost of $363,061, or around $10 million today. Ooh, I can see why the government, the West Virginia Mm -hmm. government was like, 
no. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to build this. Yeah. No. The building itself was five feet or 1.5 meter wide walls at the base and tapered to 2.5 feet or 0.75 meters wide at the top. It had five feet deep foundations or 1.5 meters and the walls were 25 inches thick in an effort to prevent escapes. Jeez. Escape is unlikely considering the walls are 24 feet or 7.3 meters high. Each corner of the walls included a large turret for the guards that had interior staircases. So kind of like big watchtowers, basically. Yeah. So they were in like tiny, tiny little boxes with giant Mm -hmm. roofs. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what I was describing just now is actually the walls of the prison, like the exterior walls, not the interior walls, because I don't understand why the building would have tapered at the top. So those are the walls around okay the building not the actual building itself so that's what the exterior looks like it's meant to be kind of pointy and intimidating mm-hmm. okay the northern and southern cell blocks each measured 300 by 52 feet or 91 by 16 meters and the north wing initially included a kitchen dining room and chapel before more cells were added in the 1890s well that didn't take long yeah I had to expand real no, fast see why Real quick. Oh, boy. The Southern Hall contained 224 cell blocks that measured 4 by 7 feet, or 1.2 by 2 meters. 4 feet by 7 feet. No, that would have been awful. That's small. Yeah. Actually, I have another spot where it says 5 by 7, so it would have been 1.5 by 2 meters. Yeah. Still not great. Not great. Between the cell blocks is an administration building that consists of four stories. The third floor offered space for female inmates, and the fourth floor was the personal living quarters for the warden and his family, and the second floor was the hospital. Yeah, that makes sense. So, like, the main floor was the actual administration portion of the building. Mm -hmm. The cell blocks were broken up based on the type of criminal you were. The North Hall or the Alamo, as it was called, <laughs> was where the worst criminals would be held in five-by-seven-foot cells, as we mentioned before. Yeah, the smallest ones. New Wall was home to the general population. Rat Row was where the snitches were housed to offer them extra protection. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Rat Row. <laughs> Rat Row. <laughs> okay. And Honor Hall was where criminals who had earned special privileges or exhibited good behavior were located, and there was decreased security in that section. So they weren't watched as intensely. intensely as those in the North Hall. Got it. The prison yard was constructed as a parallelogram. So it was 682 and a half feet, or 208 meters in length, and 352 and a half feet, or 107 meters in width. The superintendent's house, not to mention the cell buildings, were placed so that the rear wall of each made up a fraction of the west wall. So each of those buildings were part of the wall. Yeah. The north side of the property would include a 60 feet or 18 meter wide street, and the west would include a 140 feet or 43 meter wide street, as well as a yard to the front buildings. When the prison officially opened in 1876, it housed 251 inmates, 
some of which had helped build the very prison in which they now found themselves. Ugh. I don't know if you'd feel pride or resentment or both. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, if I if I were built it, I'd be like, can I stay in this one and like make it nice? <laughs> can this be my cell? Can I can I claim this one? Yeah, I put the pretty rocks on this one. Can I have that one? I'm really proud of my stone cutting skills on this cell in particular. Yeah. More facilities were added onto the property as the years went on, including workshops, outbuildings, a wash house, bakery, and hospital in the North Recreation Yard. It would take 33 years to build the first half of the prison and 30 years for the expansion that would come later. So that kind of explains why they added more right away in the 1890s. Yeah. Because they hadn't fully finished building it yet. Yep. Originally designed to house 650 inmates at a time, mm -hmm. as the town in West Virginia grew, so too did the penitentiary. It was home to a frequent number of escapes, riots, and violence. Oh, fun. Yeah. In fact, at one point, it was included on the list of most dangerous correctional facilities in the United States. Great. Great. Awesome. So yep. worth the $10 million. <laughs> yep. By the peak of its operation in 1960, it was home to 2,000 inmates. Wow. That's quite an explosion. A vast expansion of the property took place in 1929 to double the size of the penitentiary to house all the prisoners. Jeez. Well, at least they finally did that, but that sounds like it was kind of late. Mm-hmm. During its period of overcrowding in the 1920s, up to three men would be assigned to a single cell, with two sleeping on bunk beds while the third slept on a mattress on the floor. Yeah. Not great. Not great. Mm -mm. No. It was also during this time that a coal mine was opened a mile away from the prison, where inmates were able to work, and some were even allowed to stay at the mine's camp. With the addition of the coal mine, it helped provide for the prison's energy needs, saving the state around 14000 or around $232,000 today, a year in energy costs. That's kind of awesome. Well, and they were helping them with mm -hmm. labor, so mm -hmm. it was a good relationship. Win-win. Inside the prison, inmates spent time supporting the prison performing a number of jobs, such as blacksmith, Coal miner, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. carpenter, painter, cobbler, stonemason, tailor, baker, bricklayer, and even as a hospital orderly. Okay. Prisoners were also able to work in the kitchen, in the stables, and the wash house. Additionally, there was a 200-plus acre farm for the prison. Really? Yeah. I wonder where that was. It must have been fairly close, because they wouldn't have wanted them to travel too far away from the prison. No, but if they only bought 10, it would have been like a some sort of contract then. Mm -hmm. 200 plus acre farm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Over time, the prison became almost entirely self-sufficient and required very little money from the government to operate. Which is always the end goal. Mm -hmm. Many improvements were made to the prison over the years. In the mid-1870s, steam heat was added. And the coal oil lamps were replaced by electricity in 1900. Important. <laughs> yeah. Bricks had been used in the construction of the roads and walkways to improve drainage and the overall cleanliness of the grounds. 
and an elevator was installed in the administration building in 1894. Ooh, that would have been very fancy. So fancy. Wow. At the start of the 20th century, inmates were given an education following the construction of a school and library in 1900. Education was a priority, and the library grew to include more than 5,000 books. That's pretty good, especially for a prison. Mm -hmm. And those who were unable to read were required to attend night school to learn. I mean, it's nice, but I'm sure they all hated it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure but they also, weren't happy. What else are you going to do? Yeah, that's very true. At this time, the conditions at the prison, at least on paper, appeared to be good. So at the start of the 20th century. Okay. The warden submitted a report that read, quote, both the quantity and the quality of all the purchases of material, food, and clothing have been very gradually but steadily improved, while the discipline has become more nearly perfect and the exaction of labor less stringent, end quote. Nice. So it was actually... So pretty much... Operating the way a pen penitentiary should. Yep, so pretty smoothly. Mm-hmm. In addition to learning, the prison had its own band, which would perform nice. in a bandstand in the North Recreation Yard. Cute. And many inmates also played on a baseball team. That's fun. They would even compete against local teams in Moundsville and the Ohio Valley area. That's how... how that they seems probably had to go to the prison. Less fun <laughs> for the yeah. other people. And, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was. Well, they got to play against somebody, you know. I know, but like. But still. Hmm. I don't think there were any away games for the, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the inmates. <laughs> they were all at home games. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming. I didn't look too deep into yeah. it, but I would assume they would all be at home games. Yeah. Yeah. Inmates were also able to attend church services that were held in a large room on the second floor of one of the buildings. Now we're going to go past the 1900s. Okay. Noted riots and escapes after the 1900s include when 40 inmates held five guards hostage in 1973, mm -hmm. resulting in two inmates getting stabbed and a third, William Hale, killed. I remember that. That does sound familiar. A prison break in 1979, where 15 prisoners escaped, ended in the death of off-duty state trooper Philip S. Kesner, who attempted to apprehend the prisoners. Mm -hmm. And the New Year's Day riot in 1986, in which a dozen prison workers were taken hostage during a three-day standoff that ended in three inmates dying. Yeah, that sounds familiar, too. Yeah. In 1983, Charles Manson petitioned to transfer to the prison in an effort to be closer to his family. But the request was denied. Yeah, good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. In 1992, three men were able to tunnel out of the prison. That's kind of fun. That's, very, that's a very George Clooney thing. Yeah, it reminded me of the Shawshank escape, which I think happened there. I didn't see a lot on it, but it must not have happened there. Mm -hmm. Or if it did, it wasn't like really called out. Okay. Anyway, in total, there were 510 successful escape attempts between 1960 and 1995, most notable of which were the 13 attempts by inmate Fast Freddy. That's kind of great. 
Mm-hmm. But what what did Fast Freddy do? Why was he there? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. Probably something not great if he was there 13 times. Yeah. Yeah. The prison housed around 80 women between 1876 and 1947, at which point a new facility had been opened up at Pence Springs and the female inmates were transferred there. In regards to executions, of which 94 took place at the penitentiary, the last hanging to take place within its walls was in 1949, and inmate Paul Glenn was tasked with building the electric chair, Old Sparky, that would take the lives of nine men starting in 1951. Old Sparky. What a cute name for such a horrific (laughs) thing. Yeah. Okay. West Virginia became the 12th state and the only one in the South to officially abolish capital punishment and the death penalty in 1959. Got it. So that's why there weren't as many. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is estimated that over the lifetime of the prison, nearly a thousand people passed away within its walls. Remember I said the numbers yeah. bigger? That, I mean, natural causes, yeah. poisons, all that stuff. If you are factoring the 94 executions that took place, 85 of which were hangings, there are many, many more deaths that weren't a result of capital punishment. Mm. Approximately 998 men died in the prison, and of those, 36 of them were the result of homicides, and a number of completed suicides were also reported. Yeah. And then you got to factor in people who got sick, people who died of old age, or... Yeah. Heart attacks or who knows what. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, especially if, like, it took them a while to get steam heat into the building, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Like that alone. Well, yeah, and how many people died in construction accidents or if Mm -hmm. they were working in the coal mines. Yeah. You know. Makes sense. Any number of ways you could have passed. Mm Mm-hmm. Fun fact. Hangings at the prison were open to the public until June 19, 1931, when an inmate named Frank Heyer was hanged for murdering his wife. When the trap door was opened and he fell, he was immediately decapitated. Oh! Yeah. How does they that... kind of stopped allowing the general public to come by after that. How does that happen? The rope was too tight? I don't know. Either that or he had a very small neck. I don't know. Wow. Because you don't hear of that happening. No. Either that or it was like a very long drop. I don't know. (laughs) That one kind of... At least it... Stood out for me. They didn't have to wait for him to die. Yeah, it was pretty instantaneous. (laughs) Following this botched execution, the only people allowed after this were the perpetrator's family, the family of the victim slash victims, Media, clergy, and the coroner. Yeah. One of the most noted hangings conducted at the prison was that of Harry Powers in 1932, who was one of the first serial killers in modern history. Oh. I'll have to look into him because I've never heard of him before. Yeah, I haven't heard of him either. I mean, I won't be able to cover him because it's 1932. But <laughs> no, but maybe we can take on, a peek. on like a guest podcast or something. Mm-hmm. The last man to be hung at the prison was Bud Peterson on February 25th, 1949. Bud was convicted of murdering a woman over a poker debt. He was buried in the prison cemetery after his family refused to claim his body. Yeah, he sounds great. 
Mm-hmm. Nice. The last man to be executed via electric chair at the prison was Elmer Brunner on April 3rd, 1959. All right. At the end of the day, West Virginia Penitentiary operated for 129 years, and the hauntings were reported as early as the 1930s. A perfect example of this is when guards from the watchtowers would see inmates walking in an area where they shouldn't be. After sounding the alarm, once they started to investigate the area, no living inmate would be found. Not great. No. That would really make you kind of second guess everything. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Ugh. One of the first ghosts to be seen on the property is that of inmate R.D. Wall. Wall was a known snitch. And on October 8th, 1929, when he was heading down to the boiler room in the basement, he was jumped by three of his fellow inmates who stabbed him to death with dull shivs. Ah, the dull part, really. That's not great. No. No. Yeah. Oh, boy. They said when they discovered him, he was pretty much just, like, ripped to shreds, which is horrifying. Yeah, that's not great. There have been a number of reports of paranormal experiences at West Virginia Penn, such as unexplained footsteps, sudden cold spots, voices, and other noises, as well as feeling an overwhelming sense of panic. Great. Yeah. It gets better. Sounds like a really a really great place to visit. Yeah. Yeah. Visitors have been tapped, felt something brush against them, no. and some have even been shoved. No, thank you. The circular entrance gate has also been reported to turn on its own, as if inmates of the past are in a residual loop entering the prison. Oh, okay. It's one of those like turnstile looking type entrances. Yeah. That sucks for them. That's yeah. their eternity. And that'd be terrifying to watch move. Because mm-hmm. those things are like metal. Like yeah, they're not easy to move. Metal doors. No. Not something the wind can just do. No. They're not made of aluminum. <laughs> people who have gone on haunted tours at the penitentiary, not to mention people who have investigated, shout out to Bagel Bites and crew. <laughs> believe that a number of former inmates continue to roam the halls. Many visitors have reported feeling watched or like someone is following them. No. Nope. According to legend, as we have often heard in the past, it is believed that the prison was built on land that once belonged to a group of indigenous peoples. Of course. Despite what you might think, this theory isn't outside the realm of possibility. The land that the penitentiary is built on is directly across from the Grave Creek Mound, which is one of the largest conical-type burial mounds in the United States, standing at 62 feet high, or 19 meters, and 240 feet, or 72 meters, in diameter. Dang. So this is big. Yeah. Dating all the way back to 250 and 150 B.C., Members of the Adena culture moved more than 60,000 tons of dirt to construct it. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that the land that the prison is built on was home to smaller mounds. He's on ancient burial ground. (laughs) Yeah. In this instance, yeah, it's really (laughs) likely, as opposed to other places that are like, oh, this is an ancient Indian burial ground, when it's obviously like just made up to yeah, scare people. Scare you. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, this so. probably was 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much so, yeah. Ugh. Several areas throughout the prison have been noted as experiencing some form of paranormal phenomena. Areas such as the chapel, the shower cages, which sounds lovely. Yeah. Death row, the sugar shack, which was the recreational area, and the hole are all common areas noted for their paranormal activity. The hole, right where you want to have voices in your head? Yep. Oh, God. No. The North Wagon Gate, where prisoners were brought to be hanged, is also an area with a high number of activity, as well as the North Hall, where the most dangerous prisoners were held. Other noted hot spots include the psych ward and the boiler room. Oh, Yay. Not great. Going back to the sugar shack, this room was designed specifically to act as a place of recreation when the weather didn't allow the inmates to go outside. Okay. Kind of like how kids would play in the gym at school yeah. if the weather's too yeah. cold. Located in the basement, many visitors and investigators have reported hearing people talking and arguing or even just distant whispers. Unexplained sounds and cold spots have also been noted in this section of the prison. The sugar shack was famous for illegal gambling, drug deals, rape, nice fighting, oh, great. not to mention murder. You know, all your favorite <laughs> cold weather activities. <laughs> yep. Along with four square. <laughs> right. Maybe some pickleball. Backgammon. Checkers. Anyway. <laughs> The oldest structure in the prison is the North Wagon Gate, which is home to the most active ghosts on the premises. It isn't surprising when you consider the fact that it was once the home of the gallows. Visitors state that the area feels evil and they have a sense of being watched. Not great. Voices and strange sounds have been recorded in this area or captured in EVPs, and some spirits have even been seen. No. The North Wagon Gate is said to be haunted by the spirit of Orville Atkins, who was hanged there in 1938. Orville was condemned for kidnapping and murdering a minister, and on the day of his execution, the hanging was botched. Oh no. As the noose was being placed around his neck, the assistant opened the trap door too soon, causing Orville to fall 20 feet to the stone walkway below. Oh, boy. Surprisingly, Orville was still alive, although badly injured. (gasps) Oh, no. And he was forced to walk back up to the scaffold so he could be hanged properly. Yeah. People have reported hearing the slow footsteps of him pacing back and forth. (sighs) That's awful. The prison's worst offenders were housed in the North Hall, not just for the atrocities they committed prior to their incarceration, but also for the crimes they committed inside the prison's walls. Inmates would be locked in their cells for 23 hours a day. And despite this, two murders were committed there. A biker named Danny was stabbed in the eye by another inmate, resulting in him dying (laughs) of hemorrhages. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, Yeah. The second was a man (laughs) named William Red Snyder, William had been convicted after murdering his parents and dismembering their corpses. Oh, great. Yeah. Several inmates disliked him, and he was involved <laughs> in a number of fights. No kidding. You, you mean he wasn't the social, the social entertainer? Yeah. He's such a nice guy. You would think with a nickname like Red, he'd be, like, super popular. There you go. 
He died after he was fatally stabbed 37 times in front of his cell by a fellow inmate. That would do it. Mm-hmm. That would do it. The North Hall has been noted for photographic anomalies, equipment malfunctions, not to mention the sounds of cell doors banging shut when no one is there. No. Visitors have reported feeling extremely uncomfortable in this section of the prison, and as you can imagine, William's cell in particular is said to be haunted. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Visitors to the solitary <laughs> confinement area have reported encountering cold spots, and some have even felt someone touching their back. No, I do mm -mm. not consent. I don't like that. I don't like it. No. The basement in its entirety is said to be haunted by the spirit of a maintenance man who used to work at the prison. Aww. He often spied on the prisoners and reported any news or infractions to the guards. As a result, Aww. he was later found stabbed multiple times with shivs in the basement bathroom. Yep, that checks out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Snitches. Snitches get stabbed. Snitches get shivved. No stitches for him, because he's dead. <laughs> He's dead now. Visitors He's report dead. seeing his ghost wandering the basement or experiencing equipment malfunctions. But shouldn't they be better <laughs> if he's still working? No? He's like, I'm not, I don't know how to fix these things. So I'm just, I'm just going like, to leave this it. This is too modern. I'm just going to ruin it. <laughs> yeah. Is this how you fix it? <laughs> bing, 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 I don't bing, like bing, these newfangled <laughs> battery operated things. There you go. That's funny. I don't I like it. You. One particular spirit, known as the Shadow Man, no. is particularly frightening. Hate that. He often hides in the shadows along the hallways and the cells themselves. Gross. The creepiest aspect of the Shadow Man is that he has no discernible features. No. He's made entirely of dark, ominous shadows. Hate it. No one is really sure who this spirit may be. Some believe it is a guard who just keeps checking on the cells after death. Others believe it is actually the spirit of an inmate desperately trying to find his way out of the darkness. That feels more likely. But mm -hmm. either way, I hate it. Yeah, not great. Visitors and staff alike have reported encountering a number of phenomena throughout the prison, including glimpses of apparitions, unpleasant odors, and the disembodied voice of someone calling out, Help, I am trapped. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Not great. Cameras have captured faces, figures, orbs, and ghostly mists. Particularly sensitive individuals have even glimpsed figures in prison uniforms roaming the halls before disappearing into walls. No. To date, West Virginia Penitentiary is considered one of the most haunted correctional facilities in the United States and is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Today, you can experience the prison for yourself firsthand <laughs> in a number of ways. Yay! <laughs> you can do a 90-minute day tour, overnight investigations, nope. three-hour investigations, and a number of other events that are hosted there between April and December. You can learn more about the tour options they have available by visiting their website, which I have included a link to in the show notes. All right. And that is the West Virginia Penitentiary. Hate it. Mm -hmm. Hate it. Not great. 
I think it's interesting that the first electric chair was invented by someone in the prison. Yeah, that is interesting. Like, I knew that. I knew that fact, but I couldn't remember what prison it was and when it was invented. So <laughs> Now you know. Now I know. Poor Paul. <laughs> He's like, I don't <laughs> want to do it. <laughs> don't, don't make me do it. I just hope he wasn't one of those nine that was executed by in his own invention. He might you know have. I mean? Yeah. Who knows? It's entirely possible. That would suck yeah. so much. Yeah. Looking for more content? You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, not to mention bonus content and funny memes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Facebook and Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. On TikTok? Of course you are. Follow us at yieldcrimepodcast. Hi guys, we're your hosts of History of a Haunting podcast. My name is Carrie Hopper. And I am Archie Bates, and we are a weekly historical and paranormal podcast that brings you the history and the hauntings of locations all over the world with barrels of facts, casks of humor, and boxes of wine. We take bad notes, can't do math, and words are hard. So grab a glass of wine and settle in. We've got some famous, infamous, and almost famous locations to tell you about and why they became terrifying places to visit. You can find us anywhere you find your favorite podcasts and all over social media at Podcast and hoahpodcast.com. Stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening. Anyway, this week's <laughs> podcast plug is History of a Haunting. What happens when a believer and a skeptic come together? Carrie Hopper and Laura Ackerman host a paranormal podcast that combines their love of history and hauntings. Each week, they tell tales of famous, infamous, and almost famous locations around the world and why they became terrifying places to visit. And we will have a link to their show in the show notes. All right. What's something good you'd like to share? This whole weekend, my fiance and I have been crafting, and it's been really fun. <laughs> <laughs> we've been really busy like the past month and haven't had a lot of time to like just kind of hang out and connect and so mm -hmm. he we are we're in the office and he's at one desk and I'm at the other and the dogs are play play on the floor and smooch sleeps on snorlax we have a snorlax mm -hmm. plush and we're all in the office and I started uh working more on my diamond painting that I have. Mm -hmm. And then I'm actually going to start, I have this little model of a bakery. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to repaint mm -hmm. some of the pastries and stuff today. And then has a couple of models that he's working on. One of them's a pretty cool Gundam model. But yeah, we've just been crafting and like chatting and listening to podcasts. And it's been really nice. Cool. Yeah. What about you? So on Saturday, I did my first 5K in like probably around eight years mm -hmm. with some of my coworkers. And I am not a runner. I have activity-induced asthma. Mm -hmm. So I cannot run. And I was running late, of course. So I <laughs> forgot my inhaler. Of course. Oh, no. But I went... And I finished the 5K in 12 
minutes less than I normally would have taken. Which is awesome. Especially eight years after not doing anything. Yeah. So I consider it a win and Mm -hmm. I may do it again next year. It was the Twin Cities Marathon 5K. And yeah, maybe I'll actually train and do it again next year and see if I can jog more. I I did jog for short periods of time. Like nice. three times over the course of the, the run. That's pretty good fountain inhaler. That's yeah, really I great. would jog until I was like, I can't breathe no more. And then I would <laughs> slow down and walk. Power walk it off. Yeah. Until I could catch my breath again. Nice. It was good. I'm glad I did it. And I because we registered as part of a corporate team, we mm-hmm. got to take these like commemorative glasses home because oh, it's cute. the 40th anniversary of the Twin Cities Marathon. So I have a commemorative mug and I got a cool medal. So I felt really cool. You should feel cool. That's awesome. All right. And on that note, let's shut her down. All right. If you're interested in ad-free content, consider supporting us with a one-time donation either over on Buy Me a Coffee or our Venmo page, both of which are in our link tree and in the show notes. If you'd like early ad-free content, not to mention some bonus material. Become a member of our Patreon today for as low as a dollar a month. A great way to support the show if you want to help us out but can't do so financially is to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And there's the option of leaving reviews. And this week's is a very short and sweet one from Podchaser from our friends at the Short Shorts Podcast. Nice, appropriate, short short review from the Short Shorts Podcast. And they say, <laughs> true crime with a spin, five stars. So yeah. thank you very much for that short review, Short Shorts. Nice. If you want a playlist of all our episodes on YouTube, click the link in our show notes or in our link tree and subscribe today for not only a list of our full catalog, but a separate list as well, just of our Can You Crack the Crampboard segments. I have no idea if there is a tea public sale. If there is, I will be noting it on social media, <laughs> as I always do. Mm-hmm. And either way, we do have our spoopy Halloween holiday merch out. We have our spoopy shirt. We have our It's Decorative Gourd Season Motherfuckers mm-hmm. design. And we added two new designs that were provided to us by the lovely graphics department over at tea public yeah. so encourage you to check them out and get some spoopy swag heck yeah treat yourself treat yourself trick or treat yourself trick or treat yourself <laughs> and on that note as always i'm Lindsay, and i'm maddie and we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime